are now tuned in to the Free Play Media Podcast Network. Welcome to We Are Live. I'm Travis Terrell, sitting in for Chris Dimmon this week, my good friend Matt Whitener. Good Looking, to see you again. It's great to see you we as well. We just did three hours of radio. We so did, so of course it's time for And this gentleman to my left is of none other than the great Jeremy Piven, who will be at Helium all weekend long here in St. Louis. If you haven't got tickets, it's probably already sold out, so you may have to go through a third party. Nevertheless, you need to see him if you're in town. Jeremy, they, they are not sold out, by the way. Okay. No. So make sure so, you get your asses over to Helium. Let's so do it. Just, let's get into it, you guys. Let's get Five into it. Five shows. <laughs> you're going to be here all weekend. It's great to see you back on the road. But before we get started, um, our condolences to your Chicago Cubs. Not really. Yeah. We've been laughing the last <laughs> two days. We enjoy it very yeah. much. But, I mean, hey, you guys had the division lead five games in September only to lose a wild card to <clears throat> the Colorado Rockies. How are you doing this This is week? how you start things. Yeah, huh? this is what I mean. We just get it out the way. Let's just okay. get it. Just go ahead and just get it out yeah, the way. Yeah, I mean, listen, we, we've been a team that has said, you know, we're going to get them next year for 108 years. And so we're, we're used to this type of stuff, but, um, you know, you've revealed yourself to be someone that, <laughs> that revels in other people's miseries, and it says a lot about your character. Okay. It says a lot about you. So, so I'm honored and, and happy that you showed your cards from the jump. <laughs> it means a lot to me. And, um, yeah, I mean, we... Um, you, oh, that's right. You don't have a football team. I was going to oh, talk. No, no, we were going to talk about Let's, football. Rude. But then, uh, rude. We'll, we'll go to Arizona or L.A. to find either one of your... It's you like know, we've got ex-wives scattered around yeah, the country. You got, and that's interesting. Back. Okay, cool. And maybe we can go visit maybe someone... Like, well, let's see if Kurt Warner is available see, to, to see, find no, the last see, person that won in this town. You can blame this on but, yourself, Travis. You did this yeah, to you. This, and Travis, you brought a butter knife to a tank fight, and you, and you did it from the. By the way, you did it from the jump, yeah, which I is did. interesting. So I'm, I'll, I'll ask you though, man, because I mean, you know, there's there's nothing more relieving in the history of sports then was 2016 what's it been like you know for that time since you just seeing you know, the change I mean, in culture look we're still we're still buzzing about it because you know i'm from the north side as well yeah and um it was it was absolutely incredible the way it all went down and you know those guys are all still on the team and and obviously joe is still the manager and yeah i watched until million o'clock i was in new york watching <laughs> right. that, that that game the other night 13th inning it, it comes down to so many of these weird little moments where guys who are better than reaching for pitches that are terrible and yeah. swinging at things they shouldn't. And it happens. And it, it's just so fascinating. You can watch an entire season and they could be crushing it. And then it comes down to little mental errors. Yeah. You know, what, what, a, cra what a crazy game it is. What do you think about, I mean, John Lester in the sixth inning. I'm keeping him in there, man. That's one of the best postseason pitchers of all time. I mean, I know you've got to get offense at that point, but I mean, you know, come on, give him a shot to go. Yeah, I, I agree with you. He's he's such a cagey veteran, and um, I don't know. Joe Joe always knows what he's doing, but um, 
Yeah, you, you can second guess this forever. It's too bad. We needed to get the bats going, and that that didn't really happen. And it's all it's all part of it, you know. Um, <laughs> but to to switch subjects, I mean, I don't know if your listeners are obviously you're you're talking sports, so they do love sports. Yes, right? I do. Yeah, sure. Okay, well, we you know. The Bears are crushing it. We got Khalil Mack, and you know That's it's so cool. interesting. It's like everyone's like, you can't pay a hundred and sixty million dollars to a defensive player. Well, if he can transform the entire team <laughs> Defense, exactly. and affect the game, yeah. Oh my God! Like you know, I played linebacker one hundred and sixty years ago. I didn't even know you could play the position <laughs> like that. This dude is doing everything. I think he's actually making hot dogs as well for people in the stands. He's literally doing. He's rushing the passer. He's forcing fumbles. He's sacking. He's he's making. He's he's intercepting the ball, making touchdowns. You know, he's really funny on the sideline. Yeah, he he's is. now starting a stand-up tour. He could be. <laughs> he's, he's opening for me tonight at Helium. <laughs> he's, he's got, well, I mean, you you look at that guy. I mean, he's. I mean, what can you say? I mean, is John Gruden an inside worker? Is he from Chicago as well? Is he an inside insurgent for them? Because how do you let that walk away? I like John's like, we're looking for some defensive players, some guys that can rush the passer right now. You're looking for him. Well, okay, you didn't have to look too hard. He was sitting on your lap, sir. He was literally, you could, be, you could have been a ventriloquist dummy for right. Yeah, so listen. There's an old saying: you get what you pay for. Yeah, we paid a bunch of money for him, and oh my god, I think we got a bargain. Yeah, you did. He's Maybe just killing it. He's killing it. And by the way, he makes everyone else look good because they're triple teaming him. Everyone else is yeah. is, is, is now you've got these great players that have one on one, and that's why they're opening up and everyone's looking so great. And by the way, Mitchell Trubinsky, try saying that name three times. <laughs> um, Please don't, Travis. <laughs> six touchdowns. Good six God, touchdowns. Man. Not since Sid Luckman in 1937. Not since I was in junior high school has that happened. (laughs) Well, I tell you what, I mean, second pick. I mean, I like the fact they're going all in. And I'm looking forward to that rematch with the Packers because, A, Aaron Rodgers escaped with his life barely and escaped with the win by even closer margin. But, you know, Khalil Mack almost won that game by itself. So I think 160 is a bargain for that. And by the way, Khalil had no preseason. He had no mini camp. You know what I mean? And that dude... You could see he was he was human in, in the th- he was gassed by the second half. Yeah. But now he's got a full tank and he's coming out of Aaron Rodgers. You know, are you telling us to head to Vegas? Is, should we should we get a little bit in while the odds are no? You know good what? You, right now, you can never you can never. I would never bet against Aaron Rodgers. You just don't know that dude is just something. Something's he's different. You know, he's he's probably they should look at his stats in terms of. I think he's probably com- com- completed more Hail Marys than anyone else. He's one of those dudes. Good God. He just, you know, he, he, I don't know how he I does mean, he it. He probably closed the churches in Detroit a couple years ago and you threw that thing and they say, hey, we can't pray enough to keep this guy. Exactly, there, so. man. It's crazy. You're back on the road, which mm-hmm. I'm curious about because you've been so used to a television film schedule, a theater schedule for so long. What has the adjustment been like for you getting back on the road and getting back into the clubs? Well, for me, I, I have no background as a stand-up. Um, so for me, this is it's it's exhilarating because it's all new to me. And yet I've been on the stage since I was a child right. and been performing and in all in all different ways and straight theater and um, sketch comedy with Second City and improv and all this different stuff. So I've been on the stage my whole life, which is one of the major variables with stand-up, but 
um, the other variables, you know, is writing yeah. and, and having to write your own material and being someone that has always rewritten and pitched ideas with every character I've ever had. Some get put in and right. a lot, a lot don't. Um, so to have my freedom and to be able to, it's daunting, you know, it's like, be careful what you wish for, right. you know, um, <laughs> suddenly, you know, I went from like trying to figure out how can I get my stuff into, wow, I've, it's all my own stuff. Yeah. Right. So it's really kind of fascinating and amazing. And, and I, I love the process and, uh, it, it's been incredible. I take it very seriously, and and I'm a I'm a performer, and I I do impressions. It's real stand up. It's not me, you know, getting up there doing a Q and A or taking right, a victory right, lap right. or <laughs> showing a movie from the '80s and going, you know, here we are. You no, know, let's take some questions. It's not a biography. It's basically what you you know what you. Yeah, I mean, you're that. laughing, but I mean. There are a lot of people oh, out there doing it oh, I know. as we speak. <laughs> yes, you know, and I'm not that guy. I'm doing I, it's straight up stand up from beginning to end, and I'm honored to do it, and I, I'm loving it. What if uh, everyone else in the industry? What if they had to say they hear that Jeremy Pittman's on the road doing stand up? What has been some of the feedback you've gotten since you, you decided to do? You this? know what i i I love nothing more than to be counted out. Huh. I, I love um I've been uh I've been the underdog uh, since I began right. um you know I, theater companies in Chicago under the radar um grinding getting better um first 40 movies I did if you were to try to even look at the written word they didn't exist I had one line and would come you know, to the set ready to play with tons of alternate dialogues and ready to improvise and have fun would, would, you know, turn scraps into a meal. I've done that my whole life. Um, so I love, you know, Entourage, uh, the, the role of Ari Gold was a quote unquote fringe player. Right. Um, I had a limited contract. I had the equivalent of like, you know, an NBA player just getting that, that tiny kind of the like, ten day. yeah, I, I basically started on like a 10 day contract and I was 40 movies into the game then. So, um, I love being underappreciated. I love it when people sleep on me, right? There's nothing better. Um, you know, there are a lot of things in this life I can't do, but I can perform and I've proven myself to do that and I'll do it again and I'll do it every night. So count me out, hate me, throw it at me i i it, it it keeps me going it's pure motivation um so i i to be honest with you i don't know what anyone's saying right um and i think it's healthy to not know but if yeah. i if i did know um then that's also motivating as well you know so uh i do know that for instance i was on a bill at like the comedy store when i and there was all these heavy hitters there and uh, Joe Rogan was after me, and he said, "Great, just that's exactly what we need. Another actor trying to do stand up." Oh wow! And you know, the great thing about Joe is he, as you guys know, he's created a lane for himself by being completely authentic. Right. Mm -hmm. And he's a brilliant stand up, and uh, he's many different things, and and a, a, a true maverick. And he was speaking his mind, and he meant it. And then he came up to me afterwards, and he goes, "You know what, man? You take this really seriously," and I do. And he knows that, and I think they all know that. Right. Um, I have nothing but love and respect for all those guys. Right. And so uh, I'm just trying to learn and get better, and um, so that's what it's all about. Jen, I like the idea that you said about authenticity there, because that's been something you know that kind of following your career and seeing what you've been involved in. I've always felt, 
you know, that it generally was you coming across in the role. You know, so when you talk about some of those humble beginnings with even with the Ari Gold character, how much of the success that that went on to be for you came from you saying, I'm going to interject as much of me into this as I possibly can? Well, it's interesting you say that because everyone, and I, I'm fascinated by why, everyone wants to know how much of you is Ari Gold, which, <laughs> which is so, I mean, if you just look at that from a distance and just say, why is that? Like, I played a million roles and other people, they get all these questions, they never get that question. Mm -hmm. And I think, and you guys tell me what you think, but I, I think it's because the character is so specific, it's so authentic, um... And yet he is this abrasive, offensive, equal opportunity offender. Mm -hmm. And some people say, how could that be acting? But the reality is, how could it not be acting? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, um, I work my entire, I've been on the station since I was eight years old. Yeah. And Malcolm Gladwell has, you know, the theory about the difference between good and great is 10,000 hours. I'm not saying I'm great at anything. I just know that I've logged many, many thousands of hours. Right. And the harder you work, the easier it looks. And so I've been on stage performing Commedia dell'arte, which is the oldest form of acting, which is you have to be in one of four emotional states, happiness, sadness, anger, or fear at all times, and, and amped up to 10, you know? Right. And so I've done that. I've done the hard work so that I can play a character that's over the top and still believable. And believe me, if it could be done, you'd see it. Mm -hmm. um, someone came to me who shall remain, remain nameless and said, hey, I'm doing a new show. Um, who can do what you do, he said to me. And I went, oh, that's interesting. Uh, you know, I just, it, he stumped me. Because I think what we all do, we, we're all, we all are contributing in a different way. Right. And if there was someone that did what I do, you'd know about him. Mm -hmm. um, and we'd be seeing them right now on HBO right. or something. And we'd be, we would be seeing a fully, a character like Ari that was totally emotionally invested. Right. And that was over the top and believable. Um, so I do not share the same ideology as Ari Gold. I am not an <laughs> abrasive, right. over the top guy that's going to be taking up all the oxygen in the room. Um, it's not all about the money with me. I'm just a stage actor from Chicago. So in a lot of ways, I'm the antithesis of Ari Gold. I can scream that from the mountaintops yeah. for the rest of my life, and it doesn't matter um, because... People are going to believe what they want to believe. I was immediately vilified um, while playing that character, and I wasn't prepared for it. I remember taking my mom out to dinner, and and um, we were eating, and afterwards they, the reports were that I was yelling at my mom so badly that the entire restaurant had to get up and leave, and I was banned from Nobu from life and all this stuff. And my mom said, what did I miss? And I said, you didn't miss anything. Oh, wow. And she, my mom's from another generation where it has to have some kernel of truth. Right. right. There has to be <laughs> right. some, some honor among <laughs> right. thieves. Yeah. And so she went, I, 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 she couldn't wrap her mind around it. And listen, Ari Gold, there is one of those guys in every crew and every arena and, you know, to lesser and greater extents. And Ari Emanuel exists. And there are guys like that Trump that exists that are right. blowhards and mm -hmm. and white privilege exists and all that. And um, so to be, and it's funny, you, you touched upon it, like how much of you is like that. I think what they did was they went, wait a minute. This character feels very authentic and he's a very easy target. Right. If we take a shot at him, we'll never feel the repercussions. That's an easy target. Mm, you know, right. he seems to be this 
privileged white dude, Hollywood blowhard, we can take as many shots at him as possible. Wow. In fact, we can tie Jeremy to that character and vilify him. And by the way, I'm just a stage actor from Chicago. <laughs> so when that started happening to me, I was like, I, I didn't understand what was happening. Right. I was so confused. To be under the radar, to be grinding all those years, and then to have success and immediately have the knives come out, I was yeah. like, wow, I didn't see that one coming. Right. Now, I'm not playing the victim. I'm, you know, it's all part of it. Right. And it was, it was fascinating to walk through that. Um, but my point is, like, coming from me, you know, the headline, he's not Ari Gold or whatever. It's like none of that, none of that really matters. It's my job to, to be the best version of myself that I can be at all right. times. And as a celebrity, if you, you know, look the wrong way at a hostess or something, you're, you know, you're going to be written up yeah. and you have to go to the principal's office. But listen, it's a small price to pay right. for being able to do what you love in this life. Yeah. So is it worth it? Yeah. Because... You know, I've been I've been a, a a working artist my whole life. Here I am, learning a new trade. Right. You know, and the cool thing about this is, I don't have to rely on anyone. You know, it's yeah. just it's me up there, and I'm either going to to thrive or fail on my own alone right. on stage. Which is fascinating because you three Emmy wins, a Golden Globe, transitioning from that show, that character, and the success. What was that like? Because a lot of times it, there, that's a difficult challenge for, for someone of your talents to, man, you nailed that part. Now you're ready to turn the page, new chapter. What was that transition like? And how long did it take to, to begin to separate yourself from that notable character? That's a great question. Um, yeah, I was, I was very confused because, you know, there are, you know I've been, been a scrapper my whole life and... I finally get a role that allows me to to explore something fully creatively and, and as you mentioned I was very lucky to get you know to be recognized with awards and whatnot and the phone wasn't really ringing and I was very confused mm. and my agent said I think there are people that have a hard time believing that that's acting mm. and I'm so confused wow, it's like that's weird. but by the way we're the only culture that would do that cuz to, to answer your question, my next job was in the UK playing right. Mr. Selfridge. And they were the first ones, because they know intrinsically, if if you're an actor to work on a certain level, you have to go through the proper channels and go to drama school and do all that right. stuff. And so if you're an actor, you've done that. And that's what I did. And so I came by it all honestly. And so they offered me the role of Harry Selfridge, which I played for four years, which aired here on PBS. Mm -hmm. And they don't really have any money to advertise. And so that was an interesting journey. Um, and it obviously wasn't as, as big as, as Entourage, but I got to play a character that was so different from Ari. And yet he was a maverick and all these things. So that transition was amazing. And I got to work with some of the best actors on the planet. Right. But I think for whatever reason, uh, in the States, they don't embrace having an artistic imagination. Mm. And I think if they did that a little bit more, it, we would have more great entertainment. You know, right. just because you play one role well doesn't mean you can't play another role well. Right. You know what I mean? So, um, and if you, the reality is, if you play that well, that means that you're on to something right. and that you can investigate and play another character authentically. So... I've taken matters in my own hands, and here I am on the road doing stand-up, and 
the, the one thing that I hear from everyone is they're really surprised when they see me perform. Every one of them, they always come up to me, man, we didn't expect that coming. Wow. And which is amazing to me because, you know, I've done, played opposite Will Ferrell in old school right. and play, you know, played with some of, you know, the, the greatest <clears throat> the, uh, comedic forces of our time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so to, for them not to see that coming is great. Um, I'm doing impressions and just swinging away, telling stories and, and uh, about, you know, being on different sets. And if, selfishly, I get to tell people where I'm from, who I am. And, you know, to go back to what we were saying is I can tell them until I'm blue in the face that I'm not already gold. Mm -hmm. But the best way for them to find out is to come to my show. Because when I'm on stage, I'm not a character on myself, like I am talking with you guys. Right. I'm myself, and that's the resting point. And then I get to go into stories about growing up in Chicago, right. um, growing up in a theater family, you know, what, the, <laughs> what that's like, um, who I am. So selfishly, it's, it's a big reveal into who I am, who my journey is, and then what I think is funny and the journey along the way. So, I mean, all roads have led to here, and I never would have seen this coming. Do you, do you, you find know? it to be a thing where you get maybe a different type <laughs> of fulfillment from doing that too, getting a chance to just go out every day and just be yourself and walk away saying, that character's great, you know, and the other things I've done are great, but yo, this is me, you know, and, and this is who I really am, and people walking away with an appreciation for that. Well... I know that to entertain a crowd for an hour is not easy. I mean, it's really, as you guys <laughs> right. know, by yourself alone up there. And they, they've done studies where people say they'd rather do the craziest things, jump out of airplanes, whatever, anything other than get up and do stand-up. So it's terrifying. So to face those fears and to navigate that space and, and to do it where you're entertaining people and they're laughing uh, is, is incredibly fulfilling. Yeah, it is. Um, it's totally different. You get multiple takes. You're on the set for 12, 14, 16 hours. Right. Recently, Damon Wayans just said, I just saw done. he said, that's it. He just called it quits. He says he can't do it anymore. Right. And, you know, it's so interesting to see his reasons because he's like, look, I got a family. Yeah. Um, you know, I just did an hour drama myself, and I know that you're, you're there 16 hours, whatever it is, and then you go home and you run your lines and you get back at it. And... You know it, what he's saying is true. Mm. Um, that you know, it's it, it, this life is about finding balance. You know, um, I haven't seen the days since 1997. Like I didn't know that you could have lunch. <laughs> I didn't know like, much less breakfast. I didn't know that it existed. I'm, a, I'm like at coffee shops looking around, just like <laughs> hugging people. They're like, "Get out of here, man! What are you doing?" I'm like, "Wow." Is it? Would you call this brunch? Is this, brunch? Is this technically lunch? Now that might Hi, be level sir, two. How are you? Take take your time with that. Get, get used to breakfast and lunch, and then the combo on that side. Yeah, it's it's been amazing. I get to sit in coffee shops and write and write my comedy and and have this balance that I never had before. But by the way, you know, I never, I've never taken breaks in my life. I just don't, I. You know, for good or ill, I'm not. I'm not saying it's a good thing, right? Because here I am, 200 years old. I'm still single, which is a whole other conversation. 
and that that wasn't premeditated. And I talk about that a little bit in my act. You know, I'm at the point now where I want to be in a relationship so so badly that I'm too intense. I'm too passionate. <laughs> like on days, you know what I mean. I'm like, I'm yeah. like an old Jewish grandmother. You know, <laughs> yes. how many kids do you want, really? And I'm trying to breed up. So I'm always trying to breed up. So I'm like, uh, do you have any height in your family? Uh, uh-huh. and, and also, uh, any history of male pattern baldness? Because I'm trying to get a little more hair. What's going on with that? Have you ever had an Adam's apple? Are you? Like, oh, you know? So just I. I'm scaring people away when it's just it's 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 an interesting place to be right now. You you can put it all up on stage, right? And it's it's a fascinating form because uh, there's a method to it, and there are rules, and yet you can break all the rules, right? Um, and uh, you know, every stand-up that I'm on the road with, I get to learn from. And my learning curve is is really high, be, and it's it's a very self celebratory thing to say. But it's because I've been taking direction my whole life. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, if there's a stand up and he goes, "Hey, man, you know, you might want to conserve your words here and hit that pun- punch on whatever," and I just, I had one guy that said, "Man, you are the most coachable dude I've ever talked That's to." That's awesome. Because not because I I've been doing stand up, it's because I've been taking directions since I was eight years old. Right. So I get it and I put it into the next performance. He was like, dude, I gave you 11 notes. You just executed every one of them. I'm like, yeah, well, what, that's what I'm supposed to do. Right. You know what I mean? So, so maybe that's why, uh, you know, any other stand-up, if you, look, if you were to interview any other stand-up, and don't say my name, but say, there's a dude out there, and he's been doing stand-up, and it's, you know, it's his first year, but he's headlining. He's out there. They go, oh, no, he's, he's terrible. He's, he's no right. He shouldn't be headlining. It's, that's a joke. Right. It takes you six years. It's science. It takes six years. And I thought it was art, but apparently it's science. But, <laughs> right. but listen, there, there is a science to it, and I right. get it. And yet there are different variables. Had I not been on stage my whole life, right. I would never even attempt it. It's way too hard. Right. It's way too hard, man. But I can contribute on that level. Now, the writing is something different, and I have to do it every day. Right. And, you know, and just keep figuring out ways to to make it better, to get the point across in, in a more succinct way, have the punchline land harder. You know what I mean? Right. Just all, all these different things. Like, uh, you know, at one point I got so excited with my impressions that it was too much. And I got a, <laughs> I got a great note about, you know, have it be like the spice in the story right. where it comes in organically and you can hit it and they can, oh, my, okay, that's what he sounded like. Wow, that's incredible. As opposed to you're just jumping in with an, with an impression then you're kind of hacky, and you and you want you know what I mean. So like, okay. I, you just got to tell me once. I hear it, and I'll execute it. So, by the way, I'm a viciously mediocre stand-up. No, I'm just kidding. After all that, after all that, please come you know, see him at Helium, please. Yeah, it's the cure for insomnia. Uh, somehow, I saw him and fell right asleep. I, uh, I would be respect for your time. I want to get you out of here, but before I yeah. do, I, I one thing. Uh, that I really enjoyed about your bio, of course, you grew up in a theater family, your, your parents find, founding a theater company. How much did your upbringing influence you as an artist? And, and just even the, the friends you, of course, made, John Cusack, like just being able to be around other creators, but also having that support system from parents, which a lot of artists, unfortunately, don't always get. It's a, it's a great question, and yeah, with the arts is dwindling in this country. We don't, it's not mm-hmm. even, they don't even have it in schools, and 
Yeah, I was a product of public schools and going and studying, very lucky, going and studying with my parents from an early age. I wanted to be a football player. I didn't want to be an actor. Right. There aren't any Jewish linebackers in the NFL. So, and I'm five foot nine. Although I do have very good lateral movement, very good lateral movement. And I've, my, I've, I, I'll, I'll stretch out for you right now. I'm very flexible. Um, no, but in terms of like, you know how? It, listen, it, it made me the actor that I am. You know, getting up on stage with my parents, being directed by both of them. You know, it's it's incredible, and uh, they dedicate their lives to the arts and to directing and teaching mm -hmm. all of their kids. Most of them are on scholarship, and I tell a, a, a story at the end of my act that I can't really get, get into right now, but about throwing that first graduation party of high school, and I'm such a dummy that my mom was literally at rehearsal. She wasn't even, like, out of town, so she came home, and the cops came home and arrested her for contributing to the delinquency of minors oh, in, front of my, in front of my entire high school. Oh. And she gave an impassioned speech about what it's like to be an artist in this life and, and to be all in. You know, and um, I, you know what? I can't. I, I feel no, no, yeah, no, no, say, no, no, that's fine. Say that for the you show. Have to come to Helium. That's a nice tease. Come to yeah, Helium. <laughs> yeah, but you know, yeah, it was it was incredible to to, and I was very very lucky. I didn't know any different. I thought right. that all kids grew up at the theater, and at the same time, you know, I didn't fully value it. I saw other kids and their parents were like movers and stuff. And I was like, dad, why can't you do something useful? Like, you mm -hmm. know, move something, you know, mm -hmm. why are you doing King Lear? That's, you know, <laughs> and by the way, and, and I remember that I, my parents got called into school because we had, we, we got every in class, we had to get up and say what our parents did for a living. And I said, my parents steal shoes. And they're like, okay, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Burn and Joyce Piven, come in and, and tell Jeremy what you do. And they said, no, we're actors. And, uh, we uh, use our own clothes for our costumes because I, you know, in Chicago, theater actors make no money. Right. So we had to use our own costumes, make our own sets. I came home one day. I was like, we've been robbed. I wanted to watch cartoons. There was no couch. There was no coffee table. And mom's like, we're using all of that for the set of Chekhov's Three Sisters. Oh, my God. Of course. Literally. Literally. This is... And by the way, speaking of white privilege, <laughs> this, is how, this is how much I'm entrenched in white privilege. I grew up in an old folks home, in a retirement home, because I grew up in a theater family. We right. have no money. So the only way we could we could live was to I thought that everyone had a neck brace as soon as you, you hit 18 oh, man. like I'm not kidding I'm not kidding what? no literally I, that's the that's the way I grew up and you know and I wouldn't have changed it for the world so before you judge someone right yeah it's important just to get a sense of who they are right because sure. I think we're living in times right now where you know we're, these are very dangerous times and mm. it does feel like everyone seems to be living in the extremes, right. mm -hmm. whether it's left or right. right. And I don't know if that's going to serve us. And, you know, we need to start discussing things as opposed to, you know, just trying to take away people's livelihoods. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, people are being taken down right now, and there doesn't seem to be a, 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 a lot of discussion. And we are, we are kind of abandoning due process. Mm -hmm. And and everything that that you know that builds our judici judicial system. Right, mm -hmm. that's a tongue twister right there. You know what I mean? <laughs> I go through I, this with him three hours a yeah, day. He's, yeah, he has his struggles <laughs> yeah, as well. Geez. Yeah, but you know, uh, so I think we need to listen to each other more. Right, and we need to figure out how to be better and to heal and to evolve. And I don't know if simply 
but I don't know if the answer is to blindly take down one high profile guy after the next. I don't know if mm. that's the answer. You know what I mean? Right. So that's a discussion for another day. Right. Well, knee-jerk reaction is a dangerous reaction. I mean, that is something that you see a lot of. You yeah. see it in the places that are supposed to be the places that people go to for reputable information. Historically, you see people that are doing knee-jerk things right away. We're making decisions before we have facts, to your point right there. And I think right. that that is a dangerous precedence to set, especially when people are going to certain outlets that they think are going to be the ones that are the non-biased ones, that are going to present things the way they are. The thing I always make sure to express is that my background is in writing. You know, is that anything you get is going to be somebody else's opinion unless you were there in the moment with them to watch it. You know, so be careful with how much of a knee-jerk reaction you give to anything just based off of where you heard it at. Right. And that's a dangerous road to go down. And I'm with you. I hope we yeah. kind of back away from that somewhat. I, I hope so, because I think guilty until proven innocent. I think we're all better than that. Very dangerous. Absolutely. Very dangerous. Absolutely. Yeah. There aren't too many people who will be at a helium comedy club that has three Emmys, a Golden Globe, who has acted alongside greats like De Niro, uh, Will Ferrell. Gary Shandling. Uh, Shandling. Good gosh. You're, it's not fair. We don't have enough time to truly go down your IMDb page, but you're, you've been a fan of ours for a long time. I don't think he's been a fan of us. He just met us about oh, 10 yeah, minutes ago. Oh, yeah, we've been of yours. But <laughs> now I'm a fan. Now that you've decided <laughs> that he is. <laughs> right. Jeremy Piven, check him out at Helium this weekend here in St. Louis. Appreciate your time Thank so you much. Thank you, guys. So I appreciate much your Thanks, time. Thanks, man. Thank you. Thank Absolutely. you, sir. I appreciate it. So Absolutely. Right. It's been We Are Live. Make sure you check out Rich Voss, Casino Queen, second and third in November, and then Ian Bag doing a special show also at the Casino Queen, put on by yours truly, We Are Live. We'll catch you guys next week.